Here we go, intro, let's go, come on. Hello, welcome to Raising Stick Sports Podcast. I am Luke X and this week I am with F1. Hello. Uh, and also with Shawnee. Hello. And also with Josie again. Hello again. So, we're, we're looking at the first topic of the day, is the UK Snooker Championship, which is currently happening. Um, uh, first of all, Judd Trump, I think the tournament will have finished by the time that we, this thing gets out, but Judd Trump looks phenomenal, the next big thing. What is he, 21, and he's beat Ronnie O'Sullivan in the second round. Just he's amazing player. He's got a very good bow tie, though. No, it's no, very important no, bow tie. <laughs> As we you all know, know it's, it's all about the quality of your bow tie. <laughs> of course, There's, of course. Snooker, snooker, snooker. I don't know what snooker is. It's a bow tie competition. And after after they decided the results of the bow tie competition, they have a go at just like hitting some balls around the table. So it's quite interesting to watch. What? Then they compare, but then they compare tie, bow ties while they're hitting the ball, you see. No, I'm really good about the snooker is the commentary. Listening to John Burgo, I cannot keep a great face. It's he is sublime. Uh, I can't claim to know which commentator he is, but uh, if you could provide us with some examples, that would be delightful. And we could all have a snigger over. I literally could not care any less for snooker. <laughs> yeah, That's why not part of the conversation. Go away, host. Leave. <laughs> But um, as, as great as uh, Judd Trump was, he did struggle in the first round for a bit against uh, Dominic thought, Dale. Uh, Dominic Dale was really, really good. I thought that was what it was. And he's got better as the tournament's gone on, though, and he said that himself. Um, he started off pretty rusty. And uh, he made a few errors against uh, Ronnie as well, but they both, they both sort of balanced each other out and jumped up the final frame. So, oh, he's a fantastic talent. He's, I, you know, I, lo- I love, um, when I watch the snooker, I love the safety part of the game. When they're, when they're both sort of battling off safeties and trying to get themselves into a decent position. I think that's a brilliant part uh, of the game. So, so, like, so like the boring bit then? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's so the, the finesse and skill to get to position that ball face too. Josie, is your idea, idea, ideal game a matchup between Steve Davis and Peter Ebden? Yes. That would be amazing. But, but Steve but, Davis is useless at safety shots, so it wouldn't work. Ganza would take three weeks. <laughs> Probably. Imagine if it was a 17 one. Oh, that's yeah. a good point. That's a good point, actually. The format has been reduced from 17 frames to 11, up, uh, all the way up to the quarterfinals, but not including them. And who was it? Mark Allen was very outspoken in his criticism with it. And there's been a bit of uh, back chatting in the media between Allen and Hearn, who's the head of UK snooker people. Well, it's one of the few times that the sneaker players actually get to play long frames, sorry, long matches. So, I mean, I don't see what has to be cut. They, they've play, play, they play plenty of matches which are up to three frames, up to six frames. Might as well keep the longer longer edition of the game while you can, like as often as you can. Because it's rare enough to actually play to nine as it is. I definitely enjoy watching a 17-frame a match more 
more than 11 for a match. I definitely have to say that. But um, <coughs> I, I think um, I think it's designed to give the world champ make, give the world championships more criticisms. So um, give it more value over the UK championship. I think that's the idea anyway. But I would I would prefer to see 17 frames there. In the world it's getting back to Judge Trump. He's a good man for the Twitter as well. I think, uh, I think that's the major stuff. I, I quite enjoyed uh, Mark Allen and um, and Mr. Hearn person. Oh, what's his first name? I think we've got stuff. We've got stuff. We've got Barry Hearn, there you go. You haven't got the main stuff at all. I can't find a picture of his bow tie. It's not a bow tie though, is it? It's sort of like a... It just kind of loops, it's just a piece of cloth that kind of loops across itself. Yeah. A cravat? It's not even a cravat, it's just a bit... It just looks poor. It looks like, you know those sort of like breast cancer ribbon things? Yeah, do, yeah, that's exactly what it looks like. It looks like one of them around his head. Around his, around his neck, not like around his head, like a tie. Is this Judd Trump? Yes. Yeah. So I tell you who I have, who I was quite impressed with. Unfortunately, he's out of the tournament now. But I thought Stephen Maguire was playing very well. Um, he, he dumped uh, Selby out, didn't he? John Higgins. He dumped John Higgins oh, out. Higgins, Higgins, wasn't it? Who, who? For those of you who are not down with the snooker crew, John Higgins is the current reigning world champion. So beating him is quite quite a feat. There's quite a lot of big names who've gone out. Mark Williams, the world number one, went out the second round. Uh, Selby, as I said. To be fair, Mark Williams was absolutely terrible in the first round, though. He played a guy called Joe Joggia, who I think, well, it got to the stage, it was like four, four frames all against Joe Joggia, and Joggia had the highest pace of 30. Now, I think the, I think the biggest question is, when, when is Mark Selby actually going to win a, win a ranking title? Is he? Is he, though? Is he good enough to win it? I don't think I think he's always he's always going to be a nearly man. He's always going to be a really good player. But he's never quite going to go go the distance. He has been ranked number one in the world before. Though. Yeah, but that doesn't. I mean, you, you, you get there, on Murray. I mean, Andy Murray's ranked number three in the world. Doesn't necessarily mean he's the third best player. Four. Well, he was three. He, 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 was, he three, was three, but he's the four. Yeah, and he's there on Murray. Now, now you're just being pedantic. Let's not get into the Murray debate. In fact, we swapped roles last time. I was defending Murray. Well, yeah, he is there. I never said he wasn't there in Maris. I, I just said he's a failure until he wins a until he wins a Grand Slam, which he will continue to be. As will Mark Selby, despite the fact he was number one in the world for a while. The difference is though, Mark Selby is actually interesting. <laughs> I suppose. I think I think most of the snooker players are pretty interesting. I mean, they all, they all bring different characters in. In fact, Mark Selby is the current snooker world number one. Really? really? Yes. Is Selby? I thought it was Williams, yeah. no? No, it's, it's 6,000 rank points ahead. Right, Williams yeah. 2, Higgins 3, Robertson ah, 4. Two, two, okay. How's that? How'd that happen? So the top three seeds were all out before the quarters. That's interesting. Right. Now, tell me about the standard <laughs> of snooker, anything. I mean, the fact that uh, Ronnie O'Sullivan's ranked number 12 and he's still capable of beating anybody kind of shows the depths of uh, good snooker players we have at the moment. So you can definitely see any of the current top 16 winning the rankings event, can't you? Oh, yeah, well, absolutely. Martin Gould, maybe maybe not. I don't know. Well. He won the power snooker. 
That, that's a different. That's a different kind of, uh, game. Though. That's it's, a it's like, different kettle of fish. Okay, fair enough. It's like saying Pakistan are going to win the are going to uh, are the best test side because they won a uh, twenty twenty World Cup. I mean, yeah. Th- does, it's not really linked together. That older snake. I don't think there's much else to comment on, is there? Just come on, Trump. Trump for his first title. There will be next week after we, after the tournament's finished, just to yeah, that's uh, just to annoy you. Can get another fifteen minutes out of the snooker before we um, <laughs> move on to anything else. Seems reasonable. We'll we'll, we'll swap it in the middle somewhere. Oh, hang uh, on. Before we finish, listeners don't realise this. This is the first time Nuke's been quiet for more than five minutes. Can we, ever? Before, before we finish the snooker, yeah. Just have a quick talk about Ronnie O'Sullivan. Um, he lost the final frame to Judd Trump in. Uh, Second round, I think it was. Um, he, he was very unlucky. He got a kick on the black, and they, um, he announced that he can't see himself playing professional snooker for much longer. And he had this very sort of emotional sort of press conference with the BBC, um, like revealing how it's, that snooker has pretty much destroyed his life. Which is um, it's quite interesting and quite sort of sad as well, really, at the same time to see that what it's done to him because he's such well. You, you speak to any of the commentators from the snooker, and they all say that he's <laughs> gifted. They all say he's the most naturally gifted snooker player that there has ever been. A lot of it's not just snooker, but in sport generally, you know, um, these guys have to put up with all the pressures and strains, and some people can deal with it, and some players can't. And Ronnie's obviously one one of these players who struggles to deal with the pressures of uh, of uh, high high intensity. Is this, is this the fourth week in a row we've managed to talk about um, freshers and sports? Yes, I think so. Well, it's been a running thing for a while. Well, yeah, and it's sort of like it's sort of more well known right now. Recently, there's a lot of people aren't afraid to like come out and say, "Oh, oh I was I was suffering from depression and things like that." Mark Allen said that. That's exactly what he said. Just really, he was just coming back from uh, from receiving treatment for depression before the tournament, and he's in the semis. So you know, good for him. Probably good idea to do. It's all right. It's nothing broken. Ah, oh, I mean, oh good. <laughs> Haven't dropped a hammer on yourself again, then, though. No, I've dropped it on the laptop. Because <laughs> that's I think your parents might be happy if you broke yourself rather than the laptop. <laughs> so, okay, if you broke your, break your ankle, uh, surely, but uh, just don't break the laptop. Don't break the piece of machinery. <laughs> don't break the expensive thing. You can replace you, you can't replace the laptop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Can we move on to the topic I can talk about? I was just about to say that. Hey, just hold your horses, hold on. I'm going to make the executive decision to move on to the topic of cricket. And England have picked uh, their squad for the Pakistan series. And there's no surprises in there whatsoever. And Nuke is now going to waffle on about how it's the first time we've seen Monty Panasar, despite the fact he's been included in every test squad for the last three years. Carry on. It's Monty Panasar's best chance of playing. Debatable. He won't play. Well, it's the only time that they, they... England will ever consider playing two spinners because their strength is their seam attack, so they always want to play three seamers. Yeah. But because it's uh, Pakistan and especially the India tour, that's you know, and your spin heavy pitches, 
there, there is the logic behind depends what the, two spinners. Depends what the Abu Dhabi pitch is like there. They're playing in the isn't playing in UAE. I'm sure the ground at Shiraz is a bit of a road. No, I don't think so. I don't think it's that much of a road. I think there is a bit of turn on it. Although, his plan is already good enough to constitute a second spinner. I'd rather still see the pace man in there, because the England pace attack is pretty lethal. Well, I think this could be Panasar's best opportunity. He's not a strike bowler, which is what uh, they, which is what Swan is. That's why Swan's done so well. But I think he could do well as a second, as a second, or not almost a support spinner to Swan. And if they work in tandem, that takes the pressure off Panasar, and he's it's not relying on him to take wickets and do the damage. So I think I think this, that would be his ideal role, but obviously it's not really there's not really much space for him inside at the moment. I think Panasar gets quite a lot of stick though. A lot of people are saying about how he has like no variation and he bowls the same plans all the time. But it, that's fine when those plans work, and for a period, a period of time those plans were working, and everybody in England was praising Monty to like the ends of the world. So I think it's sort of it's it's another one of those things about that sort of it all sort of ebbs and flows and, and what was that three something good happened in this game though because he was the top county championship taker wicket taker last year it's clear something good's happened I suppose actually the one thing I was surprised about was that they didn't pick a third spinner I thought they might have put Patel in the squad or even Borthwick for who though. Uh, maybe Bopara. I would have thought Bopara probably would have moved out. No, uh, they, they quite like the idea of Bopara being the next sort of middle order batsman. The next oh, no, I, know, I know what it was because they they've got Tremlett and Finn in the squad. They've got five. They've got five seamers. And I thought they'd take four seamers. Uh, oh, they've got. Yeah. They, they need to be careful though, don't they? Because Bresden's not. Bresden might not be a hundred percent, so he might not play. But Breslin and Broad are both coming back from injury, so you've also got Anderson in <laughs> afterwards, and that's your seam attack. Or, or, you know, mixing around. And they've got Trevor. Anderson, Tremlett, and Finn are still a bloody good seam attack. Oh, yeah, I'll always say, you know, England's B, bowler, B team bowling attack is probably Finn, Tremlett, Onions, and Panasar. That is a world, that is a world beating bowling attack. That's why England are doing so well at the moment. It's, it's, their bowling is phenomenal. The depth that they have in seamers is unbelievable. Uh, the batsmen are in a bad bit of form as well. True. KP's finally hitting some runs. It's all about Ali Cook and uh, Trot. When they get in, they look like they could stay in for days at the moment. Those two together. Well, we'll see if he carries it on. I mean, Ali Cook didn't look like he didn't look awful. He didn't look brilliant. Uh, in the one-day series against India. That is one-day so, cricket, though. It's, it's, uh, I still don't think yeah, Ali... But, but, he's, it's not his natural game. He's still getting uh, settled with that sort of that shorter format. But I think the thing was, he was so good because he kept taking breaks after he played in um, test crickets and just sat out 20-20 in one day. Yeah. Whereas now he's playing playing extra, trying to adapt his game to one-day style, and the last time he tried to do that, he hit a serious slump in form. For a pretty sustained period, so much so that, every, that people are calling for his head um, before the Bangladesh series uh, in 2010. Um, I'm, I'm going to, I'm maybe going to go out of sight, women. I think that England's batting has that the rest of the world currently doesn't have is batting from seven down. Yes, 
Matty Pryor, Resonant, even Anderson to some extent. Anderson is good for a number 11. I missed a lot of that there. Sorry. Um, well, we're just talking about the lower order, the lower order batting, and I, I, I kind of get what uh, Shawnee was saying. Absolutely, I, you know, I call, I count Pryor in the top order, for example. I don't count, I don't see him in the tail end. Sometimes, see, Trot and Cook got on a big partnership, and England have got sort of got four hundred on the board, and then in come the sort of Pryor, your Bresnans, your Swans, and your Broads. In they come in, and they can they just push that score up, and then suddenly they turn something that would have been sort of a big total. Into a massive total, they sort of take mm-hmm. would have been sort of maybe sort of a 450 sort of score, and then they can help you get towards 600. And suddenly, well, the other team aren't aren't within a shot. They haven't got a chance if you get 600 in the first league. I mean, the thing about the England team is you you look at the lineup and you have potentially ten, nine, potentially ten batsmen who can score a century. I mean, Broad shown us Swan's a good batsman. Bresnan's definitely shown he can hit he can hit a century in Test cricket. And everybody above that's done already, like on numerous occasions. So, I love amazing, that. amazing to think that Swan bats it. You done there? You done there? Uh, you done me? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Okay. What is that? You're making noise, Nick. It sounds like a really feeble hooper. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I, I, I love watching Swan bat. I think. Swan has got that, only got one shot in his locker, and that's that sort of locked drive, which is quite... If, if it works, it works, I mean... Yeah, I know, but it's, it's entertaining to watch, I think. Try uh, Bresnan, Swan and Broad. Well, not so much Broad, but those three, but, you know, Bresnan, Pryor and Swan, they really like to take the bowlers by the scruff of the neck. And they, kick, they kick the scoring on. That's that's what I like about England's low order, and I, I think... Well, I, I, I think Cry is world class. I think Cry is the best wicketkeeper batsman in the world in the Test game. Oh yeah, quite easy. I think a lot, a lot of, uh, a lot of Test sides would love to have our depth anyway in the batting, let alone the bowling strength. Yeah, my mum has just mentioned A. B. De Villiers, but we'll, we'll skim over that one. Right. <laughs> yes, that? that's well. That's why South Africa are a big force as well. South Africa has the similar levels of depth that, that uh, perhaps uh, that England certainly has. I don't, I don't know. The young guys in Australia are looking quite good as well. Yeah, I think uh, I think if yeah, we go back on our Australian um, presumption of they're not they they they're bowling tax muck. I mean, I just have a look at look at the score here. Patterson's gotten a second five wicket haul in two tests. It is New Zealand, so let's let's not jump the gun just yet. But we picked ten wickets in two games. Two, uh, two, two five wicket hauls in two games though is in the first two test matches is a seriously impressive haul. That, yeah, but still, it's just it's got a very bad. These Africans are very bad side. I mean, oh, I'm sure they're very. They're without Vittori, they're definitely not not a big force, and a lot of their batsmen flatter to deceive. Without Brownie, at the moment, Brownie's their saving grace in the series so far. He really is, isn't he? He's been he's been a fine for them. But other than him, they've just had uh, people falling left, right, and centre. You know, you've got all your, your Jesse Riders and your Ross Taylors, you, you, you expect to be your linchpin batsman. Yeah. They've got nothing, they've got no runs whatsoever. It's good to see Chris Martin improving in the bat, another first ball doctor, had to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was, did you, have you seen the, uh, seen the bat? I actually met him. He was a pro in Scotland. He still had an average of about five with the bat as well. Did you see the haul that got him out there? 
he just left so much space open and the gate was so wide open it was easy enough for Pattinson to come in and take his five for well, let's, let's be honest, if you've seen one Chris Martin dismiss, well, you've pretty much seen the seen the ball. <laughs> just sort of sticks his bow before the bowler runs in and just sort of gets a bit confused when the ball completely misses it and it's the slums. He's on a um he's on a hat trick, isn't he, Pattinson next innings. Oh yes, he is, he is. His first ball is technically yeah. yeah, technically he's on a hat trick. No, he's a, he is a, he is on a hat trick, it's an official rule. Oh, is is it official? Oh. Yeah, yeah. And let's be honest, he'll be bowling it to Brendan McCullum, so he's got a decent chance of getting there, actually. <laughs> There's another one yeah. who flat deceives, doesn't he? Brendan McCullum. I used to think he's an amazing for wicketkeeper batsman, but he really isn't. When he gets in and he starts hitting a few, he can be, he can get a score, but he's he's not a great test player, and he's he's too inconsistent. I mean, he can do something the odd time, but beyond that, he's not anything special. Our good friend Phil Hughes, guessing that only gets four. He's been he's well, been outscored by it's a very it's a very bad pitch though. It's very very rain affected, which is a problem there. Well, Phil Phil Hughes uh, always seems to do just enough to stay in the side and no more. He got he got eighty eight against South Africa, didn't he? That, that, that's probably going to keep him going for a few more tests. So. He did have a decent score in the last in the last game. And to be fair, when Australia got uh, Warner as their opening batsman, I don't think yeah. he's got to worry too much about his place. Well, we haven't really seen him in action yet. We've had one where he lasted an over, and the the other one where they were had about ten to win, and he just counted it. So, I reckon I reckon they, um, Sean Marsh could open the batting in Test cricket. Why well, is he a better call than say Warner or? Or even Hughes. Why would he be better than Hughes? I imagine that's what he's... Isn't it Watson usually starts? Watson's injured, I think. Uh, Australia have a massive line of injuries at the moment. Hence, hence why Peter Siddle's leading the lead most experienced man in the bowling attack. Johnson's out, uh, Bollinger's out, uh, Is there lots of... Is Mitchell Johnson being out, to be a favour to Australia. You stole my line. <laughs> yeah, is Mitchell Johnson that much of a loss? Really? Well, he's a he's an all-rounder. He's not a bowler. I doesn't make sense at all. Because an all-rounder is someone that can hold their place in the team as either a batsman or a bowler. Johnson, How many solid knocks do he And it's debatable whether he can hold it over. So he, he cannot be an all-rounder. His Phil Hughes' last couple of scores are completely uninspiring. He has looked, he, well, he always has looked a bit average. I'm looking forward to when he comes back up to England again so we can torture him with a short ball. Will he be there, though? I mean, he's got a lot of being well, as young as he is. It's kind of, it's almost kind of the same thing with Strauss. Who would you replace him with? If Strauss wasn't the captain, who would you replace him in the England side with? You know, same with Hughes. I mean, we've got right. Warner. Warner is next in line, apparently. Well, he's... His last century was against Sri Lanka, and that was a while ago. And since then, his centuries, he tends to make big centuries, but it comes. As I said his scores. He, he does just enough. His scores come sparingly. I think I usually say who I'd replace Hughes with. Who? Kasich. Oh yeah. Well, that's what. Well, yes, but that's not going to happen. So <laughs> that would be the sensible. Which, which we could let. Yeah. 
Yeah, that would involve Australia admitting they were wrong, and we know they won't do that. Other than his, other than his uh, 88 against South Africa, his last five of his last six scores have been 9, 9, 11, 10, and 7. So, probably not on the great form, and likely to get dropped. Yes. Uh, Phil Hughes is rubbish, we will say. Only New Zealand batsman that outscored extras was Brownlee. Yeah, so I think uh, Brownlee got 50, and the next highest score was Kane Williamson with 19. Team South with... Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah, Kane Williamson with 19. Yeah, my bad. Southie can hit the ball, all right? He was in my fantasy team for the World Cup. He did me very well. Who? Sorry? Southie. He's, yeah, he's, he's a decent player, Sim Southie. I, I wouldn't quite call him an all-rounder. No, but a bowler who can bat a bit. Yeah, not, yeah. Not sort, quite of, a bowler sort, of, sort of like your Graham Swan or your... Yeah. Your yeah, Graham Swan. So. Very... I, think, I, think New, I think New Zealand have a decent bowling attack. Uh, if you've got Vittorius spearheading it, and you say you've got... You've got um, uh, yes, you've got Chris Martin, who's a, who's a handy bowler. Uh, got but they just don't have the batting depth. It's New Zealand, are like, they have... I'd say on paper their batting looks more... They've got more batting depth than they do bowling. They just, oh, like, uh, as I said, the, most, of them, all, most of them flatter to deceive, that's the problem. They don't, they don't make the runs. Yeah, Jesse Ryder is supposed to be like a big hitter. Uh, get you. He's supposed to be like there, Kevin Peterson, and then Duck Hill and Williamson and Taylor. Expect to see like they're supposed to get maybe a fifty or so. But none of them seem to be in good form at the moment. Although, uh, how about we bring in Querty? I mean, look at look how much he's been ripping up the fantasy cricket league. Maybe he can turn fortunes uh, turn things around. <laughs> I'm not maybe, sure. Maybe that's the answer. Make it make it all virtual cricket instead of real cricket and solve the problem. <laughs> Which means there's always hope for Phil Hughes if his real cricket career isn't going to plan. <laughs> True. He can always find himself hitting centuries for the Knight Riders. That's to the team. The Knight Riders. I don't know. Shows how long you've been how long you've been out of FCL for. Knight Riders have never been a team. I think he's just put two words together and kind of hoped that. Uh, no, to be fair to him, the Calcutta Knight Riders played the IPL. <laughs> oh, got... boo! Well, I, I can't remember what I think of that. Um, I really play for is it the Stallions? Probably. Or the Knights. The Knights, yeah, probably just the yeah, probably the Knights. It'll be the Knights, not the Stallions. Oh, God, I have no knowledge of SCL. You crazy you boy! You need to join up. You should need to join up when we when we enlist the sign ups again. If I get captured, oh. I'm back the toxic walls. Just just saying. <laughs> yeah, toxic walls version two point Bring on the orange storm! <laughs> that was a great name. <laughs> I love. I thought orange storm was a brilliant name for a team. I always thought oh, the horrific heroes of heroes was the best name. Yes, that was the best. I played mm. on the two best teams, so. Mm. And I was a star uh, of both sides. I reckon Saints were the best team. They won the first FCL, they won the last FCL, I mean. No, it was all about, it was all about the um, big heroes and Toxic Wolves. South Atlantic Seals, boys. That's where it's at. Those are the ones you remember. Stainless Seal Ovens and the Mafia. 
I reckon that's what we should do with the new forum. We should, we should uh, uh, ignore it. That's uh, okay. I've just invented the word, but uh, I think I think the first match should be a get together of two of the old teams, a group, uh, a grouping of several of the old teams, even. <laughs> We've got I think the intro banners going on soon. We could just like start, just like bring back all the old scenes for next year. Though. Stainless steel orange. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think we're going to bring them back because that would kind of ruin. Then they would ruin the history because then we'll get a. Uh... Anyway, shall we move on? Because we kind of moved off topic from the cricket. Just a little bit, yes. We hit went down nostalgia road again. Actually, shall we talk about the golf? I will talk very quickly about uh, Saywag's double ton. A fantastic knock, albeit on the roadiest of road pitches. The last time, the only other double ton in uh, one day history was also scored at the same ground by Tendulkar. Who has his uh, record stolen from him now? He has officially got the record for the slowest double century in one day cricket. Yeah, that's right, Tendulkar, you are boring. I think I think that deserves Act Man of the Week, slowest double hundred in one day international cricket. That for, being does. So, for being so rubbish that he can't even get his bloody hundredth hundredth yet. So is Tim Jorker Act Man of the Week until he gets his hundredth hundredth? Yes. I vote yes. Forever. <laughs> to the end of time. <laughs> what happens if he retires or he won't be allowed to retire on ninety nine tons, it just won't be. Yeah. They've kicked him out of the one-day game, but he wants to come back in the... He's injured at the moment, isn't he? That's why he's not playing. It's, it's official that when we perfect the art of human cloning, India will create 11 Sachin Tendulkas to play in their country. <laughs> they won't even have bowlers, they'll just be 11 batsmen who can bowl a bit. <laughs> it's quite funny, have you seen, have you seen Tendulkar bowl in test matches? No. He's sort of like, know how like you get like batsmen that bowl in like club cricket. They can sort of like bowl everything a little bit, so that like, they can like bowl the odd offspin, they can bowl the odd leggy, they can bowl. So yes, anyway, uh, no one wants to hear me prattle on about how the West Indies is a decent side, but uh... no, West Indies aren't a decent side. Can't agree with it, right? They're alright. They're not. They're not. They're not terrible. They're a lot better than they used to be. They've got some good young talent coming through now. It's also much worse than they used to be. I mean, look back to the 80s when they're the oh, best okay. team yeah, out not there. The, not the 80s. The worst I'm, team out there. I'm not counting the 80s. That's much. That's very different. But I mean, in terms of sort of uh, more modern setup, where they've sort of been the lower, but, lower mid table. Uh, but at this stage, they're nearly worse than the toothless tiger. I mean, they're nearly worse than Bangladesh. Almost. I would say. I would argue New Zealand is worse than West Indies. Neither than that, uh, oh, I don't know, that'd be a good one. I think I think New Zealand have more consistency than the West Indies. But I think they, I think they would be, if you gave them a longer series against each other, I think New Zealand would come out with on top, because West Indies might win two, but be absolutely horrific in the other three. And therefore New Zealand, I think, being consistent, if anybody's informed, they'll get beaten, but if when when West Indies are terrible, they, West Indies, oh, sorry, New Zealand do have the capabilities to beat them. Yeah, I mean, New Zealand consistently lost to Bangladesh in that one-day series, 4-0. So they've obviously got some deal of consistency there. <laughs> one day one day in that test is a different ent- entity, though. As we've been saying throughout this uh, the series of podcasts, 
Fuck it, I'll just work like try and be funny ever again. Yeah, so if you're right for trying to push humour into this podcast, you're ridiculous. It's really a sports podcast, and you really enjoy being serious. <laughs> <laughs> That's a serious business. Never yeah, let's go, come on, football. About the cricket, yeah. Because there's nothing to say about the cricket. We've talked about the rest of the cricket. Talk about the football. Right, I'll just have a kit, lads. You guys have to know about football. <laughs> Not my topic. Don't <laughs> steal my role. Can we talk about... Let's get started then. So, we're going to sh- the next topic of conversation is the bubble. And obviously the big scores are that Man United and Man City are out of the Champions League. Discuss. Well, was anybody else absolutely sorry, delighted sorry. when this happened? Yes. When Man City went out, yeah. As a, back bench, as a solid backbench Man United fan, I was extremely disappointed, yes. I thought it was quite funny. Really, for both of them. They didn't take it seriously. Although it's happened to Man United before. 2004 or five, I believe, when they lost against Benfica as well. Yeah, it, it was the same group they were in with Benfica and they went out. So and La Coruña, was it? Uh, well, I'm not sure, actually. They, they did. I know they've played La Coruña numerous occasions from they, they, they kind of, 2005. They, this isn't the first time May United have fallen out of a uh, group stage of a Champions League to a fair, to what seems to be, for them anyway, is a fairly easy group to come out of. The last Ma- Ferguson Man never City. actually takes it seriously. I mean... Yeah. He, well, I, he never I, takes it seriously. I mean, the Gea barely played all, se- um, all season. Um, sorry, barely played in the whole Champions League campaign. Um, couple with some of the other better players. I mean, that's not not really on. I mean, Champions League is meant to be the pinnacle, and if you're not taking the group stage seriously, you deserve to be go- you deserve to go out. Mm. I think Manchester United. Though, I think they're a, they're a little bit more worried about Man City running away from them in the Premier League. I think I think that's where their priorities lie, not so much with Europe. And in fact, if anything, um, being knocked out from Europe might actually do them a favour in the fact that they can now pour everything in all their efforts into the Premier League and trying to get that points gap down. Although City have the same issue, so it's not actually going to be of any advantage to United. Yeah, but they'll be still be playing the same number of games. They'll be playing Europa as well. They'll still be playing European football of some form. Just. Uh... Just on a Thursday night on Channel 5, not on ITV1 or Sky. <laughs> I do find it ironic how last season against uh, Liverpool they were chanting Thursday nights on Channel 5. I mean, that's definitely going to be thrown back at them a few, on a fair number of occasions. Oh, it's going to be chanted on every single chance. I think every uh, crowd gets that, they're going to chant that back at them. It's only well, fair, really. Well. Yeah. They're going to slag you off. There's no point not wasting the opportunity. I'm just going to see where they got knocked out of last time. 2005, 2006, and Villarreal, Benfica, and Lille were in a group, and they finished bottom. Yes, and you just stole that from me. I just stole that. I just can't want to see that. They didn't have a great record, but Man City was quite, obviously, quite surprising at the experience. But they still went out to... A fairly good side, if you know. Well, they went to have uh, some good sides. 
I think I personally think the biggest story was Man City going out because I mean we've heard so often from um, particularly the media how the Premiership is the best league in the world and now we've seen Man City the team who are running away with the Premiership so far this year um, not being able to qualify out of the group I mean it was it was possibly the toughest group draw um, yeah. but still and it's expected the team of that calibre to beat Napoli they did get double figures in points and, and you know most most groups, in all the other groups, if they've got 10 points, they've been through. So I think, it was, I think it's probably just a really tough group more than anything else. They were unlucky, but surely you'd expect the best team in England, as, they should kind of show, as they've been so far this season, would finish top. I mean, obviously with United in there, that's going to be a struggle. Sorry, with um, Bayern Munich in there, that's going to be a struggle. But the best team in England should be beating Napoli pretty handily. So... I, Napoli are a great side. I think they're heavily underrated. Yeah, but it, they're, they're not. They're not Italian champions. They're not. They're, they're not in the top two teams in Italy at the moment. Uh, whereas Man City are, are the best the, side in England by seven points. They're one of the best sides in England. Yeah, no, no they, they're one. They're one of the best. They're not, they're not in the top two or three. So you'd expect. So you'd expect them. Um, you'd expect the best side in England, especially when you look at like the European uh, quota system for the. Cl- uh, League rankings, where Italy are now behind Germany, expects England, who are top, mm. to beat them pretty handily, if, if considering it's not the best team in that country, and it just hasn't really happened for them. I compare Napoli almost to Borussia Dortmund, but unlike Dortmund, they actually like they had success in Europe and they took it kind of more seriously and focused their hearts out, focused their well, focus, focus really on the performance in the Champions League, and it worked for them compared to Dortmund, who should have really qualified as the second best team in Group F. I, I, I agree with you. They, should have, they were the best. Sorry. <laughs> they, they, are the, they were the second best team in, in Group F, but I mean, when you show up and play poorly, you don't deserve to actually um, go, go through. But I mean, Dortmund's focusing on the league. It's always been their intention to focus on the league. And they're currently lying second, one point off um, Bayern Munich. Whereas Napoli, for all their for um, for focusing on the Champions on the Champions League, they're currently sitting in fifth, and need to need to they need to finish third to be in the Champions League. So I mean, they're they're already five points off. They're already seven points off that, in fact. I think it goes um, to show that there's a lot more parity amongst the European teams, considering how close it's got. I mean, there are a couple of surprise teams have gone out. I mean. Uh, Villarreal expected to get more than zero points. May United were expected to go through. Ajax and Lyon was a very close group in the Real Madrid group. They were decided only on goal difference. Valencia, Bayer Leverkusen, uh, uh, Marseille going through ahead of Olympiacos and Dortmund, I think, was quite big. And then, sorry, was that? oh, Porto went out as well. Porto went out. To Zenit and Apollonia. No, no, but I, I think, I think the, what I was trying to say there was, what's more important, especially when your team like Dortmund or Napoli, who have realistically might not end up in the Champions League next year, what's more fo- uh, important to focus on qualification Champions League or focusing on the league to try get in the competition again for next season and building on that achievement of being in there in the first one, first place. Yeah. You don't think you have a chance of winning. Well, I think the real surprise was how um, good Real Madrid were in this uh, in Champions League qualification because I mean 
really? they had a tough group, Leon and Ajax, and to get through, go through winning every one of their games, which is a ridiculous goal difference. I mean, I know where I'd be putting my money at this stage in the season on for the Champions League winners. Uh, I don't know. They've had trouble with Leon before in the past, but they've never, they've never really been threatened by him. They've always managed to get through. I don't know. I think I still can't get Apollon and Scotia who are going to miss quite a few big teams and could even make the quarters at this rate because they could get they could easily get a team like uh, Basel 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 they could get a team like Basel or Basel whatever where they could where they could possibly beat them and go through. Because they do look, they look, do look kind of a, a, a almost a scary side if at home. Actually, Nuke, do you have any uh, prediction for the um, El Clasico on the weekend? Um, I, I, I want to say Barcelona win, but Real Madrid are in such good form. I don't know. It will be a very high-scoring affair, I think. I, I think if Real Madrid are going to do it, this will be their opportunity. Yeah. Well, it'll be if if they win if they win today then they're realistically I reckon they're going to win the title. But if they lose today, that sorry not today tomorrow even, um, realistically that's probably their title challenge over. I mean, losing to Barcelona always seems to have a knock on effect for it. Uh, Real. There's, there's still a couple. There'll still be a, uh, ahead of them even if they lose. Yeah, but it's always such a big morale knock for Real yeah. Madrid. As soon as they lose to um, Barcelona, they always put a string a couple of poor performances together, and that's where oh. another team's going to capitalise, and that's where they're go- that that is the issue. I think yeah, so if this this is their best chance to win if they do get a win, but if even it, um, I don't know. Knowing our luck, I'm going to say it's going to be a high-scoring affair. Yet it's probably going to be a nil-nil draw now. So I'm just going to cover all my bets on that one. Um. Yeah, this is Real Madrid's best chance, but they're away. It's um, obviously them being away is a huge disadvantage. There's Barcelona at home. I see Barcelona edging it, but I wouldn't be surprised if Real Madrid walked it at the same time. Prediction for scoreline: We can pick this up next week and. Uh, Ooh. There'll be, there'll be some nice. There'll be some nice insulting. Predict American football scorelines, and I would. I predict the score will not be seventeen nil. No, you need oh. a, you need an you need a score prediction, and we need a winner from each of you. Uh, from one football analyst to one non-football fan. Real Madrid three two. Barcelona two one. And Josie. Uh, the world will come to an end, and we'll never find out a result. Oh, shut up, Harold Kelping. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't mind. You you spent that ages moaning at Nuke about being that really irritating when we talked about Snook because you didn't know anything about it. And now we're talking about football, which is something that you know nothing about. You're getting irate. The thing is... I don't care, I'll just take the piss. I wasn't even that bad. I sighed a couple times, but I tried to keep down and keep my opinion to myself about how crap Snooker is, and yet you just come in and go, oh, yeah, it's crap, the world's going to end. Don't yeah. ever call Snooker crap. It's... It'll be the death of this podcast. Uh, we'll have to, need to find a new Irish co-host. Oh, right. Well, let me correct myself. Real Madrid are home. Barcelona are away. Therefore, yeah. Real Madrid will win 3-2. Yeah. 
And was the same call you just made? Oh, oh yeah. They haven't won since 2008, though. I'm, I'm, I'm saying Real Madrid 2-0. So I'm the only person going for Barca? Yeah. We, well, except for Jaws, he's saying the world's going to end because he's a tit. hedging apocalypse. I see. I see. Us, I see. Us, I there's no result equals. A, this week's evening fixture between Burnley and Barnett has been postponed due to the end of the world. <laughs> <laughs> so, out of interest, anybody here interested in, in the golf at all? Uh, a little bit. Oh, I'm, oh excuse me. I'm it's actually entertaining, as um, Josie mentioned. Um, McElroy needs to win, and Donald has to finish inside the top ten. Which is uh, McElroy's five shots off the lead, but Donald's well out of running, so it could be. It it can still happen if we have two rounds left. So if McElroy does well, is that it's all also in the balance. So is that that's for the European uh, money money rank money list ranking. So the European ranking for the season. Oh. So Donald will still be the world number one. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Donald has a chance of making history though and being the first person to top both the US and the uh, European tour rankings in one season. So that is our uh, stick sports podcast. And we apologise for it for being awful. <laughs> no, it's excellent. It's of the highest quality. As I was. You did listen to this podcast and you did enjoy it. Just remember that, or Josie will punish you. But yeah, like seriously, like our Facebook page. Nah. Stick Sports Forum, unofficial blog forum. Just type in a collection of those words and you'll be about right. Type in Stick Sports Podcast. There you go. Forum podcast on Facebook. There you go. I do that. I do that. You get lots of you get the latest episodes, and you also get lots of witty statuses.